Hello and welcome to this IBR Extra, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. In the 42nd edition of our program, which aired during the third weekend of October 2020, we focused on leadership and, in particular, how to develop leaders who are ready to step up as needed. On average, someone is in a leadership role in business for eight years before they get any actual leadership training. And 50% of CEOs are replaced with someone from outside the company. That's a number that used to be only 8%. Now, those are statistics that may be surprising to many, but not to Jennifer Mackin. She is the author of Leaders Deserve Better, A Leadership Development Revolution. She says the ways we used to do things don't really work very well right now. I always had a problem when I was teaching at the college level with leadership programs or certification programs, and it seemed like you take three courses, they give you a shiny certificate, and boom, you're a leader. That It's a much more involved and lifelong experience. Let's start with your philosophy about how leaders, if that is the correct phrase, are developed. Absolutely. And, and, you know, even getting a few courses throughout college or grad school is actually better than most get. And, and that's not even um, nearly enough to get them started. So in my experience, on average, it's seven years that they're leaders before they even get any sort of development. So I would suggest that when people start their careers, they look at a couple of different tracks and they know what those are and what's expected of them as they move through. So whether they're a specialist and expert in their field, they don't even want to be a leader. But if they want to be a leader, there are different levels of leadership. If we can teach them that at the front end, then they're working toward getting those skills before they're even needed so that we're working with emerging leaders, those who aren't yet leaders, but want to be, let's tell them what it is and what's required of them before they even jump into that role. Because everyone wants to do well and doing well means I get promoted. And yet they don't even know what the job is because it's often not clear. It's a matter of letting them know what's possible so that their mind is focused that way from the very start, as opposed to, as you suggested, someone climbs the ladder and then all of a sudden they're at a place without the proper skills in order to be successful. Yeah, I would guess 90% have been promoted without the necessary skills. Because as we get promoted, I believe there are transitions there that to be effective, you need different skills, but you also need to spend your time differently and you need to value different work. So if you're a leader of others, you have to really value developing the people that work with you and making sure you understand where they're headed and how to help them get there. And then as you turn to a leader of leaders, there are different skills you need to be effective, say, across departments or, you know, managing up more, translating the strategy more. So that's what I think is really key is to know what those differences are at different leadership levels and let people opt in as opposed to just getting in and then figuring out what to do. And it's not just a matter of the individual and their development, having properly educated, trained, use whatever phrase you like, having people who have the proper foundation make the business better. 
Absolutely. When I think about what's at stake, I think about the ripple effects of leaders that are ill-prepared and their job first and foremost is to help the organization execute on strategies with the people that report to them. And so we talk about if leaders are poor, we've got bad engagement, high turnover, and that's true. But the most important effect to think about is, do we have the execution power in all of our people to realize that strategy? That's what's at risk. That's why this is a really big problem, that leaders aren't ready. I suppose to some degree, and we talk a lot about succession on this program, whether it's generationally within a family or whether it's to the next demographic cohort just through the passage of time. I suppose those who are more senior don't want to hasten their departure, and so they look at it and say, well, if I start training my successor, they're going to think that I need to be moved out. But that's a rather shallow way to look at it, isn't it? It really is, because what it does is it leaves them with no options when the time comes. They don't recognize that it takes years to prepare people. And if you only prepare one person, for example, you also have a problem of them making a different choice and then you're stuck as well. So I do think that's a challenge, especially with first generation leaders to even think about not being in that business and not being the key person. So it really is a challenge and I understand it, but it really is about not only their role, but all the people that report to them having successors as well. Oftentimes when we talk succession, they think it's just the CEO role. I would suggest it's all key roles throughout the organization that need to have two or three people working toward that role so that the company is is safe. And when you're working toward that goal at any level, even at the most entry level, you may want to get promoted to a certain level and then later a certain level. If you are thinking about that, it may help you understand what the manager is doing and why they're doing it. So even though you're still at your basic job, if you can understand why those above you on the chart are doing what they're doing, it actually allows you to better understand your own job. That's right. And that's where open communication about expectations is really critical. And to share with someone what their path might be So they are entry level and more than not, they don't know what the next thing is or could be for them. So they leave in order to get a new opportunity because they're not sure what that is for the company they work with. So that communication about how do I help my leader in our department be successful, that's the best thing individual contributors can do to get promoted. It clears the way. It does, and it it shows them other opportunities that are out there because people will want them on their projects. So I am at the very end of the baby boom, one of the younger baby boomers. All right, then I've heard that the next generation has a different sensibility about work, and the youngest generation has yet a different sensibility, and that companies have to, in order to attract some of these younger people, they have to be involved in philanthropic efforts because they think of work differently. How does that play out, if in fact that's true? How does that play out as we try to develop different generations of leaders? That's a great question because I think everyone wants to be developed. If you agree that 
you've never, you know, we've never arrived. <laughs> and I, I think that's very strongly that we all have more to learn, I hope. I think every generation would like that. I think the difference in the younger generation, in particular the youngest, is that they demand it. I think boomers don't demand to be developed. They are respectful of the role that they have, and they don't expect that they're developed automatically. They earn that. Whereas millennials, it's just part of their job, they believe, should be to also allow them development. So it's really a mindset of, I don't want to work for a company that doesn't care about me and doesn't value my growth and development, whatever that looks like. So I highly recommend that each individual and each leader has a development plan. What do you want to get better at doing within your job, outside of your job, and maybe even personally? And then as a leader, how do I help you get there? So I think that's more of an expectation that we need to make sure every employee has something like that or something they're working toward, where the other generations before them just didn't demand it. How difficult is it, though, to manage an operation when you have very easily three distinct generations, all in the workforce, all productively in the workforce, but they all are coming to work for different reasons. I'm not sure we have had that challenge in the past. I think we have had the challenge. We've always said each generation that comes, you know, are different and they are in some ways, but we are still have the same drives and motivators that we always have had. People want to belong. Some people want to have more opportunities than others. Uh, Some people want to be collectively around people and work together as a team. So we all have similar motivations from generation to generation. I think it's almost as simple as having conversations with each person. So as a leader, I can't expect that my direct reports want the same things I do out of my career. So I need to have those conversations as their leader to better understand what is driving them to work, to work with me, to work in this work, in this industry, in this field. Um, So if we know that, then we can tailor our approach to each person. And I think that's our job as a leader to not expect to just have one approach for all people. It is much more individualized, right? I mean, the employees feel the need to be valued. And to have that shown, I dare say managers throughout time have valued the employees, but it's a different expectation, as you say. It used to be, at least in my sense, in many companies, whoever was running the company had grown up in the company or had been an expert in that field. And more and more, again, it just seems to me that you have CEOs selected for company A, not because they've ever worked in that field, but they might have been a successful CEO in an entirely different way. If that's the case, why are we not developing our own talent or is running a company, quote unquote, now its own skills so that you have people hopping from one CEO position to another in diverse fields just because they know their way around a balance sheet? I think all of what you said could be true in different cases. So I do think that some people who are really good at running a business, being a CEO, it takes different skills to do that. And so learning about the business and the people and where they're headed and and driving in a certain direction, I do think that can be something that translates 
where one CEO can go from one to another and it work out. I think that that's happening now more out of necessity than intentional, Mm. meaning that the majority of CEOs are coming from the outside. And I think it's because they're not developing enough people at the high levels or really all throughout to be ready for that. And so then what do you do? You have to look outside. And then if you do that, there are different things you need to do to prepare that CEO versus the ones that come up through the ranks. I agree with you that historically, we've had years and years, 10 years, 20 years to work in an organization and just learn every aspect of it. And I think that allows for more people to be able to run those businesses because they understand all the dynamics versus a few select ones that can jump and can be successful. And more than not, the CEOs that are coming from the outside, they are not sticking. They are lasting. I think the average is about two years, two, three years. So they get in, they make some change happen. They're not effective. They're out. Somebody else is in. I mean, how can a company be successful doing that? So it's a board's responsibility to make sure the companies are preparing for any event to happen, a retirement, something happening to the leader. We've got to take more steps in the succession that we were talking about. You can't possibly be successful when the CEO you just hired doesn't even put family pictures up on the wall because they know they're leaving <laughs> that quickly. Right. They just right the old the old story of I never have enough personal items at the office that won't fit in one cardboard box for whatever reason. <laughs> We've talked about a lot of I'll call it negative things, things that we shouldn't be doing things we're doing wrong. All right, so let's end on an aspirational note. What sure. should someone do if they are running a company, let's say, or they are in a certain level of management and they want to do better with regard to employee development and therefore business development? Yeah, I think it's a great great way to end on a positive because there are a variety of organizations I've worked with doing this very well. And when I say very well, what I mean by that is that they're doing four things in particular. One, they are connecting the business strategy and the people development strategy together. So that would mean CEOs, leadership teams, HR working together to make sure that whatever development they do is tied to what they care about and where they're headed. Secondly, they need to have leaders lead this development every day. It's not just an event where you go and learn a bunch of things and then you apply them and we're done, but it's an ongoing learning and leaders need to be responsible and accountable for that. They also need to be able to reinforce the learning. So let's just take coaching, for example. We all have to be good coaches as leaders, every single one of us, and that is a practiced skill. And so We've got to keep developing each other in that way. So reinforcement practice is important. And lastly, I think we've got to have some face-to-face interaction with people we work with to best apply the learning that we have. So if leaders can do that or even assess all of their leadership development, what are you doing for all the different groups you have in your business and is it working? you know, so that they're spending the money in the right places, because a lot of them are spending a lot of money to develop their leaders, and it's not working in all cases. That is such an important point, though, because how many times have we heard of people who pay a lot of money for a consultant or a body of research, and it's not acted upon, it's not reviewed, or they bring in a consultant, 
there's this protocol that they follow because they paid for it, in essence. Right. But nobody right. follows up to see. I mean, it's no different than having an examination after you've read a portion of a textbook. It's required <laughs> to know whether you're at the place you need to be. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly. So yeah, we've got to all pull together and understand what it is that we need to do, but also have a plan that's connected to your strategy, as I mentioned, of how are we going to do this? And it's all with good intent. They go into it, getting a consultant in and and wanting the best out of that, but it's got to be a cultural dynamic, meaning that they have a culture of learning a culture where leaders are developing their people. If they have that, then it will be ongoing learning, which is the only way I think we can be fully ready for whatever next crisis we might we might have. Jennifer Mackin, author of Leaders Deserve Better, A Leadership Development Revolution. You can learn more by going to her website, jennifermackin.com. We connected via Zoom on September 29th. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report radio program and podcast. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras and IBR business profiles. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.